0: The Supreme Court has issued rulings on two big cases involving the Biden administration's efforts to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. The justices said the Occupational Safety and Health Administration is not allowed to implement a rule requiring employers with more than 100 workers to have those workers either get vaccinated for COVID-19 or test weekly and wear a mask in the office. That was a 6-3 vote. But in the other decision, the court upheld a vaccine mandate imposed by the Department of Health and Human Services on healthcare facilities that receive funding from Medicaid or Medicare. That was a 5-4 decision. We wanted to dig into both these decisions on their merits and also look at what they could mean for the future. So we caught up with Craig Green, professor of law at Temple University Beasley School of Law. This is really important. You're going to want to listen. The two decisions were lumped together, but it was two separate cases. One dealt with OSHA
1: and one dealt with Healthcare workers. Can you kind of parse them out for me? Sure. I mean, this is in some ways at least the third big legal initiative that the Biden administration has tried to do to address COVID. The first one people may remember was the eviction moratorium, where there was an effort to try to keep people from getting kicked out of their homes as a result of COVID. And these two that were decided uh, just recently. Uh, one of them was about uh, OSHA, about workplace regulations, said that uh, basically every large business, almost every large business in America, needed to have people either get vaccinated or tested. And the other uh, was an effort to use Medicaid, Medicare money to make sure that all healthcare workers, almost all healthcare workers in the United States, working in hospitals and the rest, that all of them had to get vaccinated. Supreme Court held that the occupational safety, the OSHA regulation, went too far and was illegal, and they upheld the health workers' vaccination requirement as legal. So it's kind of a split decision that way. With the OSHA one, what was
0: the argument against? Why was this looked at as something that went too far?
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of listeners... Uh, it seems really implausible to say COVID's not occupational safety. Uh, A lot of us are afraid of getting COVID in the workplace. A lot of people have gotten COVID in the workplace. A lot of people get COVID on the way to and from the workplace. But the Supreme Court said that COVID is not a workplace hazard, fundamentally. It's a public health crisis, as though those were two separate categories. And the Supreme Court held that although OSHA can regulate sort of particular air quality in particular workplaces that you know coal mines or this kind of stuff uh, you know that they can't address these what they characterize as these bigger public health issues like a rampant pandemic or they said also like crime you know crime happens in the workplace crime happens on the way to and from the workplace but OSHA said the supreme court can't regulate crime diet they can't regulate diet these are all things that happen in the workplace but can't be regulated by OSHA as a workplace hazard. And the f- fact is the Supreme Court held that COVID is a public health category, not a workplace risk category. Is this building on any kind of precedent
0: or is this just kind of the conservative majority staking out in a, the direction that they wanted to stake out all along?
1: Yeah, this case is two things in one. This uh, The case about the OSHA regulation is two things in one. Uh, One thing is it's another remarkable judicial decision by the Supreme Court against the Biden administration's efforts to meet COVID. So I think that's one thing that absolutely has to be seen as as a COVID decision, as a decision by a conservative set of justices uh, who are not in favor of the legal mechanisms the president's trying to use to control COVID. The second thing it is at the same time, is it is part of a broader effort by the conservative court to diminish the power of the federal government and the power of federal agencies, Uh, what Steve Bannon back in the day called the deconstruction of the administrative state. And that idea of cutting back on federal power, and particularly federal agencies, that's been around for several years now, uh, was a priority of the Trump administration, was a criterion in selecting justices for the Supreme Court. And I think this, this decision is absolutely in line with a large arc of decisions where the U.S. Supreme Court is more aggressive than it has been for 100 years in cutting back federal agencies, cutting back federal governmental power, and thereby also at the same time reducing the government's ability to meet public crises like COVID or any other number of things.
0: I don't know if this means anything from anything, but the I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, a couple of the lawyers that were arguing were via video because they, were, they had COVID. You have to be tested at least once, if not multiple times, and, and prove negative to get into the Supreme Court building. Uh, I think at least one of the justices was remote. I don't know. Is there any loss... The idea that all this is going on in the Supreme Court, like physically in the Supreme Court, doesn't matter anything when it comes to safety in the workplace and what they're pushing on everybody else.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It's amazing. And the the one detail I would add to what you said is, of course, one of the justices, Justice Sotomayor, participated remotely because of health care. The justice sitting right next to her, Justice Neil Gorsuch, insisted on participating without a mask. And so I think in a way though, this is just a microcosm for America. Uh, Everybody knows, every single American knows about the relationship between COVID and going to work. Uh, That's the reason there have been shutdowns. That's the reason there have been work at home. That's the reason why there are essential workers who can't stay at home. Uh, That's why people are subject to varying degrees of risk, uh, which are reflected in the Supreme Court and everywhere else in America. And there are different countermeasures that businesses and one would have thought the government, the federal government could create to try to meet those kinds of risks. Uh, And the result of this Supreme Court decision is whoever's gonna be doing that, whoever's gonna be trying to take actual, affirmative, positive steps to try to manage Omicron, the new variant of the COVID uh, virus that's afflicting America and Americans, whoever's gonna do that, it can't be the federal government, apparently, uh, not through OSHA, apparently, Uh, And that is breaking new ground, the idea that workplace restrictions can't be public health crises. Anybody would have thought, everybody would have thought that COVID is not just a public health crisis you experience in your home uh, or walking around on the street. Um, It's something you encounter at work. And that's one of the most important and most damaging and most, I mean, uh, yeah, one of the most uh, damaging aspects of the virus has been uh, sort of the effect on a workplace. Of course, I should also say, just in case anyone forgets, hundreds of thousands of deaths and millions of hospitalizations, which are also affecting work. Uh, but it goes beyond work. But certainly the fact that it goes beyond work, no one would have thought until this opinion that that disqualified OSHA from meeting it in the workplace. I mean, that's all OSHA was trying to do was meet COVID in the workplace with requirements to keep people across the country in a wide range of industries safer from COVID than they otherwise would have been. That task now falls to states or to cities or to private businesses themselves to stand up and protect their workers as best they can figure out to do. The other case, this
0: was 5-4 in the affirmative as they upheld a vaccine mandate on health care facilities that receive funding from medicare or medicaid it was uh, uh chief justice roberts and brett kavanaugh that swung from uh to to make this uh upheld why was this different what did they parse out that this this one was okay but the osha one was not
1: yeah for all of us in, you know across the country you aren't lawyers COVID's COVID, and vaccine requirements are vaccine requirements but for the Supreme Court and the legal cases, there are two totally different statutory regimes. OSHA, occupational workplace safety, and then Medicare Medicaid, which controls funding by the federal government to, for example, hospitals for various kinds of elder and means-tested health care. Of course, almost all hospitals in the country receive Medicare and Medicaid, and that recipient of uh, federal funds is subject to federal regulation, totally different statutory regime. And the Supreme Court in the second case held that that statutory regime allows uh, the federal government to prescribe vaccine requirements uh, for the health and safety of people who receive care in those facilities. For example, anyone who goes to uh, a hospital, um, they are entitled to think that they're going to be safe from, safer from the spread of COVID there. And also the other thing the court mentioned was some people won't even go to the hospital if they're afraid they might catch COVID by going there. So this vaccine requirement in the context of healthcare workers, in the context of hospitals, legally in the context of Medicare, Medicaid recipients, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the federal government's power in that context to meet COVID in that context, uh, even at the same time that they said they couldn't meet the context in broader workplace regulation. I don't, I mean, I'm
0: just a layman. But, like, to your point, COVID's COVID. And if we're going to fight this, you would think you'd want to fight it on all fronts. Am, am I crazy? Am I
1: naive? No, I, I don't think that. I mean, I, 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 I want to be very clear about it. Um, you know, until this Supreme Court opinion, the OSHA Supreme Court opinion, uh, no one would have thought that public health uh, risks were categorically separate from workplace risks that you couldn't have the government address a public health risk that just happened to show up dominantly not trivially in the workplace you would have thought OSHA absolutely could meet that kind of crisis until this opinion and i think that the healthcare workers i, I do think it's a little different but you know I, i'm not trying to uh, insist on it you know i think the idea of keeping our hospitals and our healthcare workers safer and making those places safer for sick people to go, you know, I do actually think that's another layer up of importance. You know, I think that that's another thing you can see looking at the experience the last two years. The most important thing um, is being able to provide healthcare in this uh, health crisis. And I think that the governments, the Biden administration's Medicare, Medicaid, vaccine requirement for hospitals and healthcare workers. I think at least they're allowed to do that, you know, and I think that uh, there is a separation between the two cases, but I do not think that separation should have been decisive. I mean, I think that the, the federal government uh, had very strong arguments in both cases. Uh, they won one uh, by these sort of swing votes with uh, some explanation, but I think uh, for a broader audience, pretty hard to understand the explanation. And then I think with respect to OSHA, the idea that federal government can't keep people safe from COVID in the workplace, that runs against everything anybody would have thought about uh, federal workplace regulations, federal workplace risk, and the federal agency's role in keeping people safer uh, in the workplace. It just runs against everything you would have thought that the federal agency was up to and and about. And the Supreme Court for its reasons, uh, one reason related to, I think uh, uh, at least some justices real skepticism about uh, COVID federal regulations, which you see in this earlier eviction moratorium case, Uh, And I think also a more general skepticism, a really deep, profound and important skepticism about federal agencies across the board. There's there's the Biden COVID message, and then there's the federal agency message. Uh, The OSHA case uh, hits both of those notes really hard. I did read in a couple of articles
0: that the authors felt that the court may have, with regards to the OSHA decision, may have left the door open for a, a more tactical. Uh, approach uh, in limited workspaces. Did you read anything like that, that if the government came back and and pared it down and uh, specifically really crowded workspaces or anything like that, do you think we could see that?
1: Yeah, let me say two things about alternatives, like where we could go from here. You know, one response is the Biden administration could try, could try to draw a narrower uh, restriction on workplace risk. And there's a part of the opinion that talks about, oh, well, the problem is it sweeps everywhere, it should only sweep some places, you know, not everybody uh, faces the same COVID risk. Fine. But not everyone faces the same COVID risks. That's the truth always, every time, all the time. And, um, you know, so the Biden administration could try to draw a narrower sort of a thing. But I, I think that there's a tension in the opinion, a real contradiction, because um, if you imagine that narrower agency rule, it's still targeting a public health risk, isn't it? I mean, that would be a fair question to ask if the fundamental division is about COVID sits in this box, the public health risk box, and not in the workplace box. Now, I've I, I disagreed with that. But if you believe that, then I think COVID's off the table altogether. So I think it would really be kind of an aggressive thing for the uh, Biden administration, a confident thing for them to think that they could draw one narrow enough that it would splinter off a vote or two and get their their sort of 2.0 COVID regulation sustained where the 1.0 perfectly applicable appropriate reg- gets struck down. Let me say one other thing. The other thing that runs through this opinion is this idea that maybe Congress should act. It shouldn't be agencies. And look at all the failed efforts of Congress to meet COVID. Therefore, the court says maybe we shouldn't let the agency meet it. And Let me just say, uh, you know, these days, if that's appropriate to say, these days, it's very hard to expect very much action out of Congress, even on very important things. And so the message, why don't you wait for Congress, which is the Supreme Court's message, why don't you wait for Congress really is effectively a message. Why don't you wait for never? And I think that those two things, thinking about re- you could imagine a redrawn, you could imagine a redrawn federal agency regulation, maybe narrower, maybe trying to pinch off a vote here or there. Uh, very uh, uh, confident is what I would say, and I think a pretty risky plan. Or the other alternative is, why don't you try and get through something to Congress, uh, which might be just as sort of sensible as saying, why don't you try flapping your arms to the moon? You know, I think that there's no chance of having Congress in this political environment agree on any serious effort to meet COVID, which is exactly when you would want an executive federal agency to be able to step in and do something. And that's why I think that this is such a a real tragedy in a way. This is like the worst case scenario to see federal agencies' power get reduced as they are, in fact, trying to meet a public crisis in the workplace— that no one else has the power, gumption, or political force to meet. And I think to have the court step in and strike that down, I think it's very disappointing. Uh, it might be irresponsible. Sort of the facts aren't in on exactly what will happen as a result. A lot of private entities and states have stepped up. Uh, but I think it's very disappointing uh, for somebody like me studies the administrative state for a living. Does this,
0: specifically the OSHA decision, does this open the door and you talk about wanting to deconstruct the administrative state, administrative state. Does this ruling, is this a building block to something bigger, completely away from COVID that could lead to usurping the powers of federal agencies and other cases that come before the court? Uh, Could this portend even bigger, maybe more for lack of a, for more alarming decisions?
1: Yeah, I think it does. And the only word I would change is usurp. I think uh, chopping down the power of agencies is the right kind of way to think about it. Um, People have disagreements and have for 100 years about how much power federal agencies should have. And at least ever since the 1980s, pushed by people like the Reagan administration and the late Justice Scalia, at least since then, agencies have had a lot of power and a lot of policy and a lot of discretion to make a lot of decisions. And what this means is that you get a new president, you get new federal agencies, you get new policies, and it makes the difference. Um, if you get new agencies and new, it makes a difference, presidential elections. That had been the old regime, is what I'm going to call it. Um, and I think this new set of decisions, and it goes back a little ways, but it's really turned up since 2013, um, this ability, chopping down agencies' power, sometimes on statutory grounds, like the OSHA decision. But there's all this talk about constitutional law as well in these decisions, a the thing called non-delegation doctrine. There's constitutional law out there and constitutional values. And the uh, the new conservative justices led by people like Neil Gorsuch, uh, Clarence Thomas, and Sam Alito, you know, those folks are absolutely hacking away at federal agency power that people have taken for granted for 40 years. They absolutely, explicitly have that as a project. And what's happening, and you see it in this opinion, is every opinion they write, then they cite that opinion in their next opinion. So this opinion leans pretty heavily on the opinion about eviction moratorium. And that one in turn relies on uh, decisions, uh, concurring and dissenting opinions uh, from earlier, going all the way back, if I could put it this way, to an old decision that said that, um, the Supreme Court back in the day, uh, said that nicotine wasn't a drug And that cigarettes weren't a drug delivery device. So like there is a longer trajectory. But what's happening is um, this uh, court is amplifying its own precedence, its own vision of a chopped up federal agency system. Uh, And I think absolutely you should expect this to show up in any other agency area. I mean like the EPA uh, controlling environmental, uh, of course OSHA regulating all kinds of other things, and a wide wide range of things that are regulated by the, uh, by the federal government through agencies. An awful lot of what uh, you and I experience as federal law is agency law. You ride an airplane, I mean who rides an airplane, but you ride an airplane and you're told not to tamper with the fire uh, detectors in the bathroom. No statute says that, an agency says that. You know, and so a lot of the road standards, uh, the regulation of medical care, health care through Medicaid and uh, Medicare, all these things that are agency power, the hacking away at uh, agency power by the modern uh, right-leaning Supreme Court uh, is very alarming. That was your word. It's very dangerous. It upsets a lot of expectations that the American public takes for granted, that the American Congress took for granted in creating these agencies with the power to meet public health crises and public needs when they knew that Congress wouldn't itself be able to step up and do it every Thursday, you know? Uh, So I think that's, there's a real danger here. And I think the court has not, and this again, it's so upsetting to see it surface in a COVID uh, pandemic when a lot of numbers are on the rise, because that sort of suggests even in an obvious public health crisis, uh, some of these conservative justices are dedicated uh, to their own principles about administrative state and a small federal government, and they're just going to do it kind of any old time. And I think we should absolutely expect more of it for just only the next 10 to 15 years. That's sarcasm, but it's true. The next 10 to 15 years, I think, is the timeframe you should expect uh, at least uh, at least these same justices to be doing the same thing in various areas of administrative law, federal agencies.
0: And my final question, there's a lot of talk. Obviously, this is a very polarized country, and I think we say it's a very polarized country. We think 50-50 or 51-49. I think a lot of this stuff, specifically this OSHA thing, we talk about abortion, guns. There's about, in my opinion, there's about 70-75% of the population that is genuinely in one way. They might want it more on the edges, and that's what makes it closer to 5149. But they think abortion should be available in certain cases. They think the OSHA should be able to tell you, you know, I want to be safe going to work, stuff like that. My question is, we're getting more and more of these decisions that are outside what I would say is the mainstream or the, the vast majority. What does that do to the court's credibility? And on top of that, does the court care?
1: Yeah, I think this is another really important angle on things. This stuff we've been talking about regarding the administrative state is absolutely linked with opinions, you know, watch this space, opinions concerning abortion and gun rights and a free speech uh, and free religious rights, a lot of different rights uh, that this court stands for in new ways, overturning old precedents and representing a new vision. And... Um, You know, I don't know exactly. I'm sure on every issue and how you phrase it, you know, the poll numbers or whatever. Um, What I would say for sure is on a lot of these issues, my own temptation is. If people are divided, why don't you just stick with what it is instead of trying to enact radical change by departing from precedent? Look, if people people disagree about abortion rights, just keep abortion rights like they are, maybe under the precedents, instead of engaging on radical revision, which hasn't happened but I think is in prospect. I think it really is a, a, a likelihood in the next two to three years, if not this year. Uh, that the laws supporting and, and gun rights are exactly the same with There's a big gun rights case in front of the Supreme Court, and there's every reason to think that a New York statute's been around for almost a hundred years. Is going to be um, uh, struck down. And so I just think this. I think that that's, but, and, and let me just say one other thing on that target, you know, is, you know, the mo- one of the most divided, at least the country's been uh, in the last 20 years, has been uh, during the Trump administration, you know, almost, I mean, that certainly was an incredibly polarizing time, people fighting cats and dogs about that. And um, this Supreme Court is, as it was intended to be, a lasting legacy of that era. Uh, that the, these justices and this shift in the court uh, it was produced out of that tumultuous time. And so no matter what happens in terms of people uh, making peace or not, uh, people struggling with COVID or not, uh, the beat goes on on the U.S. Supreme Court. And these justices who were appointed and nominated and confirmed to change American law, they're doing it. And now what does it mean for the credibility of the court kind of depends who you ask, doesn't it? Uh, Some people welcome this as a a real rightward turn and exactly the kind of values that, you know, make America great again, 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 and again, or something like this. And other folks think that it's uh, a real betrayal of the kind of liberty and justice and stability uh, and safety, uh, just to pick this today's example, um, that that Americans have relied on. But I think that's, you know, uh, does the court care? Uh, The court has lawyers, judges. Um, they're they're taught that uh, that they shouldn't focus so much on their poll numbers although I'm sure they see them uh, but these justices have have a real boldness and a real uh radical commitment a legal commitment to a vision of American law and they're bringing it kind of regardless of what you know what um, media says, or the social media says, or the American public says, they think they're above all that. And they think that the Supreme Court is above all that. And I have to think that that's what gives them the confidence, just again, to return to today's case, uh, they have the confidence to say that COVID is not a workplace hazard. How could they say such a thing? They have to be so confident in their vision of what they think the law is that they just ride right past the political implications or what society at large might think about it.